tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. The future comes, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the Geek's Watch, for the Geeks and all the Geeks to come. Yes, we are the the Geek's Watch, and uh, I think it is a very big weekend for uh, Geeks everywhere. Uh, it is San Diego Comic-Con weekend, and though we didn't get to be there... We have followed a lot of the news, so I think uh, we don't have to spend too much time on it. We'll probably be going over it a lot throughout the week. But uh, some of the big things that you were excited about, John, to come out of San Diego yeah. Comic-Con? Um, well, like you said, there's so much information to parse through right now. But the ones that stand out to me, um, it's Justice League and Wonder Woman have their trailers released. Oh, and Doctor Strange. That's true. Justice League, Wonder Woman, Doctor Strange, all those trailers came out this week. Uh, pretty much the only one that I really enjoyed was Doctor Strange. Well, Doctor Strange is very different, very unique. Uh, it's bringing something. It's, it's bringing Inception to the Marvel Universe, it looks like. <laughs> oh, that's very it, true. It looks, yeah. it looks pretty awesome. Um, and, I mean, I know that we've talked about Batman versus Superman and how we were disappointed with that one. Um I the Justice League trailer makes me kind of hopeful. I, it, you know, it, it the little bit that it does show us. I, I like the look of the Flash's power in this one. How it looks kind of dangerous. I know I've mentioned that before, <laughs> but I just love that it looks more volatile. You know, like just even moving just a few feet in super high speed, it just looks like it's causing all kinds of electrical disturbances and stuff. And uh, that works for me. You know, I like that he's a little bit more twitchy than Grant Gustin. If you were a speedster, I think that that would just be inherent, you know, with your whole demeanor. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to that finally. Wonder Woman looks cool, you know. I'm not a huge Wonder Woman fan, but, you know, this this, this has a really strong Captain America First Avenger vibe to it. So Yeah, that's and, very true. And, you know, I was a huge fan of Captain America First Avenger. I thought it was such a great movie. I, I don't know, the the trailer itself for Wonder Woman just... It didn't wow me at any point. It just we saw a lot of fighting in it, and I was like, I already know there's going to be a lot of fighting. And in that last scene with the Edna Candy, it was just like too forced for the jokes for me. So it, it didn't it didn't land. And then the Justice League trailer, like I already have like after we already heard about the whole scene between Bruce Wayne and and Barry Allen at Barry Allen's place uh, from the people that were on set that day. And then get, getting to see it on the screen, I was just like, ah, I really just don't like that scene. It, it to me, Bruce Wayne would would never reveal that he's Batman when he's not in a Batman cot. You know, like someplace that he's it's not very secure to do so, and for a person that he doesn't really know anything about with Barry Allen, so like that whole scene just kind of doesn't play for me. And then so I, I'm already just got a bad taste in my mouth for the 
Justice League trailer. But yeah, uh, Doctor Strange. I, I really loved it. Uh, I, lo- I the big announcement at the Marvel panel that that we have a Captain Marvel there. Uh, it's Brie Larson, which I am excited about. She's a great actress. Oh, come on, I didn't even see that one. Yeah, I think she's pretty cool. <clears throat> So that's a, another Scott Pilgrim alum that's going to be transferring to the Marvel Universe. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> oh man, I love that movie. Okay, so uh, like yeah, like you said, there's a lot of there's there's also a trailer for uh, season three of The Flash, season five of Arrow out there. Um, the Defenders, Iron Fist, Defenders, Iron Fist, Luke Cage, all those things. So. Too much. <laughs> There's a lot of information to get a hold of, and you should, and everybody should go and uh, search it out if they haven't already. But also, oh. I just want to throw a real quick shout out, real quick. Um, Caesar, my friend since seventh grade, uh, you're one of the coolest dudes I know. I love you. Right now, I hate your fucking guts because you got <laughs> to take selfies with David Ayer, and you got to high five the cast of Suicide Squad. So. Uh, a pox on your house, but hey, good for you. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, the, the, everybody that got to go this year, I, I'm not a fan of you, so cool. <laughs> uh, but like we were trying to say, we need to get over with this season finale episode. Hopefully we can get it all done in an hour this time. Uh, we're not going to do a lineage, we're going to go straight into the episode. So, uh, if you're okay with it, John, let's go ahead and talk about Jamie Lannister and Braun at River Run. All right, so we jump to uh, the phrase celebrating that they have retaken River Run once again, and uh, they're having a nice little banquet, you know, the Walder Frey, as usual, at the head of the the table, I guess you could say there, and everybody else just kind of minding their own business. And uh, so Jamie and Braun are just kind of talking about, like, the goings-ons and how he just wants to get back home already, and Braun points out, hey, like, that serving girl's been kind of eyeing you and um jamie's showing no interest you know obviously he's a one woman kind of man even if that happens to be his sister (laughs) and so he's like whatever you know you can have it that doesn't interest me so ron goes on you know to see what he can score walder frey decides to join jamie you know just have a little chat with him saying hey you know thanks for the help and jamie just will have none of it he was like yeah well i hope you guys can actually hold on to it this time because we're not going to be coming down every time you can't hold your own keep yeah you know he goes walter Frey goes into this whole thing about like you know i was here when the the mad king was king and uh, you know i did this and i did that and he goes yeah but you don't really do any of these things we come and help you we come <laughs> and save you we get these things for you and you lose them and then we have to come back and do it again so uh, yeah. you know it was, it was really you know great to see uh jamie put put him in his place kind of but i also wanted to you know talk about like the when he sees that serving girl like looking at him it's almost like he i don't know to me it felt like he he knew something was wrong because he kept looking at her too but he didn't look like at her in a interested way it's just kind of like it seemed like oh that girl looks familiar kind of way because i at that point i was just like who could that be is it supposed to be uh some kind of uh, illegitimate child of his or something or you know i don't know just it, it was it was very weird and it was played off really well i think by the actor yeah because you don't know what's going on in their head to me it, I, I was reading it like you know yeah somebody who's high born and obviously comes from a wealthy family they're used to getting you know unwanted attention in that way where 
they're like, oh, you know, this guy's rich, and you know, I could probably get something out of him, you know. And he's just used to that kind of attitude, I suppose, and was like, well, whatever, you know, I, I don't have time to deal with this right now. Like, I'm guessing for like, you know, the highborn, sometimes it could be a fun little game that they play, you know, when they, oh, I have a fan, cool, Let's see what I can <laughs> do with this. But uh, yeah, I, I think he's just done and just didn't care at all. It's like, whatever. You can go after it yourself, you know? Uh, so like you were saying, though, with the whole one-woman man, in the you know the few episodes before this one, we, we saw him and, and Brienne of Tarth exchange words, and obviously when she's going down the river, uh, he he's, he's looking at her in a certain way. Do you think he still has feelings for her, or was there ever feelings for her there? Well, I think he really cares for her. I don't necessarily feel like he's like in love with her uh, romantically, but he he happened to gain a whole lot of respect for her because, you know, they earned it from each other. You know, like right. she bested him in in a in do in a you know a, a fair duel basically, and that wasn't something he was used to. You know, he was usually the the winner and. Or people would just be too afraid to let him win, to to, to lose to or to to beat him. To beat him, yeah, um, because there could be you know repercussions. And um, you know, she was like, "Yeah, you're a legit person. You know, you're not a suck up. You're not a someone that's hungry for power. You legitimately have a sense of honor." And I think that was kind of refreshing for him, and it sort of reminded him of what he was supposed to be all about, being in the Kingsguard and all that. So it's more like he just kind of hopes that nothing happens to her, you know, like just just looking out for her. Uh, but not necessarily that he wants to be like her, you know, husband or something. <laughs> so what about on the other on the other side? Do you think Brienne of Tarth has a has feelings for him? Um, also, no. I think, like I said, it's more of a mutual respect. She certainly had feelings for Renly, um, but that was like a different situation where. It was because he showed her. He was like the first one to ever show her kindness um, when she was young. So she sort of developed an infatuation with him, and the only way she could truly express that would be to just kind of devote herself to him. The only way she could, which was you know to be like her one of her Kingsguard, okay, or one of his Kingsguard. Right, right, right. Uh, so as we were speaking, you know, this is this is about uh, Walter Frey and him being way too cocky for not being as good of a king as he thinks he is skip down the line a little bit. And then serving wenches or yeah, the serving girl is feeding him some pie and he's calling out to his sons. Yeah. And uh, they're nowhere to be found. And the serving girl's like, they're already here, my Lord. <laughs> and that was actually the first hint. I didn't catch it right away, but upon like uh, rewatching it, there was an interesting little callback. Uh, if you remember when she was uh, Tywin's serving girl for a short period of time, um, you know, he saw through her facade that she was just a commoner. He says, you're highborn, aren't you? And she was like, yeah. And then she made up some house, you know, that was plausible, you know, so she didn't give away that she was a Stark. Right. And he was like, yeah, I could tell because a, a, a lowborn girl wouldn't say my lord. They would say my lord. Right. And that's exactly what Arya did in this case. She said, oh, they're already here, my lord. That's true. You know, I, I guess I didn't pick that up until you mentioned it. But, yeah, uh, that that is a good callback to that time. And what was that? What was the name of that um, that prison castle that they were at? 
Oh, that was at Heron Hall. Heron Hall, okay. <clears throat> so then, yeah, she makes it. No, so did he had already had a few pieces of the pie? Is that what it is? Yeah, it looked like he'd already taken a few bites, and that's what he was wondering, like, where are they at? And so she says, oh, they're already here. And he looks around, like, what are you talking about? You know, there was, like, a completely empty dining hall. And she says, here, and she points at the pie. (laughs) (laughs) To which he's like, what? And starts to, like, lift up the crust, I guess, at the top layer. And you see, like, a dirty nail attached to a thumb or something (laughs) it's like whoa what's going on here and uh sure enough you know she then just starts talking goes into like a little creepy monologue of like you know black walder was particularly difficult to carve (laughs) and that's when walder phrase like oh man i better get to stepping you know and um I think that was the point where she uh, then reveals it's actually been Arya this whole time wearing a face. Which, I have to say, although that was a cool reveal, where did she get that face? That, I was just about to ask you the same thing. Does that mean she killed some serving girl at the uh, River Run and put her face on? Did she steal that face from the, the Hall of Faces before she left? Yeah, I mean, it, it looked like she just left. I, I didn't see her take anything from there. And... Um, like that, like I, we mentioned in a different episode, that it seemed like it, the the face changing part where you do it just by running your hand over, that was like a more advanced technique that you know you have to be like a black belt faceless man in order to do that basically, or like learn some magic. Right. Um, because um, both Arya and the the waif were able to switch faces, but like physically do it, like they were basically wearing masks. Right. Yeah, they had to so, rip it off, kind of. Yeah, so it's like, where did, like, I don't remember seeing her take a face off the wall, so what's going on here, you know? It's, uh, I'm a little curious, but that little plot hole aside, yeah, a pretty cool reveal. Turns out it was Arya this whole time. So going back to the previous scene where that same serving girl was eyeing Jamie, um, I, I had a hard time remembering if Jamie was on her list or not, but she was probably just thinking, hmm, there's another person I could take off my list here, but... The one I'm focusing on is Walder Frey, but, you know, she was just kind of keeping an eye on him just uh, in case the opportunity arose, I suppose. I, I imagine it's more keeping an eye on Jamie just because she she still thinks of him as one of the best swordsmen, you know, around. So because she hasn't been around to know that, you know, maybe he, she doesn't know that he's missing a hand or uh, that he's kind of lost a little bit of his confidence in his fighting. Uh, but I, I don't think of any situation directly why... Jamie Lannister, other than being a Lannister, would be on her list. Um, well, Jamie Lannister was the one that fought her dad, Ned Stark, when Caitlyn kidnapped Tyrion. Oh man, that was a mouthful to say. <laughs> um, so it was basically Jamie's fault that he ended up getting injured, then getting imprisoned, and then is eventually, you know, getting uh, beheaded. So it, it sort of he was definitely part of the chain of events. I don't believe Arya ever found out that Jamie was the one that threw uh, Bran out the window. No, I don't think so either. But um, I could see that that may have played a factor in it. Hmm. Okay. So, uh, you know, that's interesting. Also, quite, uh, thing is, is uh, Arya older than Bran or younger than Bran? Ah, oh, good question. I think Arya is younger. If I remember the birth order, 
it would be John and Rob are approximately close in age. Um, then it's Sansa. Sansa. Then it's Bran. Then Arya. Then Rickon. Okay. I believe is the birth order. So yeah, I'll have to double check. Really, the only ones that are dead are, are Rob and Rickon. Yeah. Huh. Seems like they're... there's actually. <laughs> I know, right? It seems like they should be more dead just because we've seen so many Starks fall already. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I, I just I keep thinking that there's more uh, dead Starks out there, but interesting. All right, uh, you wanted and to follow on with Jamie, he eventually ends up back at uh, King's Landing, and he comes to town at the site of a smoldering. Uh, Citadel, or no, what's the the place called? The the Sept. The Sept, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, it reminded me of Community when uh, Troy comes back with pizzas and <laughs> just sees the whole living room is like, somebody's putting out a fire, somebody else is like rocking back and forth in the corner. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I believe someone else is just bleeding from their hand or something, their arm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so he's like, man, I leave this place for one week, and look what happens. Yeah, so, yeah, he, it, the him and uh, Braun just arrive kind of wordlessly, and they make their way to the, to the the Red Keep, where he walks in on Cersei now being named Queen of the Seven Kingdoms, essentially, and he shoots her a look like, what, what the fuck happened? <laughs> yeah, it was pretty awesome, and um, I just. I felt like in, I mean, it, it's, it's, uh, I'm projecting a lot onto Jamie, but I feel like he was thinking in, in, in his, like, character's mind that, you know, it's another Matt King, you know? Ooh. Because she actually got to do what the Matt, what he stopped the Matt King from doing, which was use wildfire to basically blow up his own, you know, castle, essentially. Although it was only the Sept of Baylor in this case. Um, but, you know. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting uh, analogy there, and uh, probably yeah, you're right. Like not too far off. So, uh, and and you know, I wonder if at this point, after he gets from from seeing the Sept to the Red Keep, if he realizes that his last son is dead. You know, his last kid. I would imagine that he'd presume something like that was going on at that point. But, I mean, yeah, there was no scene where he talked about, you know, or, you know, was told or discovered that he was dead. Pretty much at that point, by the time Jamie gets there, uh, I think they said they were already in the process of burying or burning uh, Tommen's body as well. So there'd be nothing left for him to even mourn at that point. No, and she even says just to throw the throw the ashes in with the other ashes at the set so that she, he can be with his, the rest of his family. Which I didn't think about until we were just discussing this again, but that kind of gave me the feeling of Cersei essentially like dusting her hands of like everything that came before, including her children, pretty much her family at this point, because the only one still there is uh, Jamie, of course. You know, Tyrion, she wouldn't really co- count as family at this point, I'm sure. Yeah, she yeah um, she doesn't, and now he's going to be in direct opposition to her. Yeah, so like it kind of felt like she was essentially just accepting that she was on her own like she had her own little clique now with um, Kyburn 
And oh, here's an interesting little tidbit. Somebody on Reddit had a a theory um, that because Jamie or not Jamie, uh, Cersei's going to start going slightly more mad, you know, with power and you know, um, what's the word? Um, like paranoia, I guess, like mm-hmm. distrust of others. Right. Um, she's going to take the success of the Franken Mountain up to the next level and replace all of her Kingsguard with uh, zombie Kingsguard. Wow. That sounds awesome to me. She's going to be like a freaking mad scientist. <laughs> Game of Thrones and, and Walking Dead kind of start to <laughs> merge here. <laughs> hey, maybe that's uh, maybe it's a shared universe in which they never make a uh, yeah, what if uh, also in her madness paranoia, uh, she starts to distrust Jamie because Jamie's known as the King Kingslayer, and you know maybe she thinks that she's going to be his next target. Oh yeah, absolutely. I can see that that's going to be a major point, and especially like I said, if if he, um, you know, if 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 Cersei does what I think she's going to do, or what that other guy suggested, which is replace all the people with zombies, you know, Jamie would probably be like not cool with that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think at this point then uh, it's a possibility that when Tyrion and uh, Daenerys come across the Narrow Sea, they he joint he jumps to their side? That is a possibility. Um, Jaime definitely still holds Tyrion in high regard, even though he did kill their father. You know, he kind of understands why it happened. You know, like their father was a jerk. Right. Um. I, I could see that happening. Um, I could definitely see Jamie being the one to, you know, as part of his story progression goes, be the one that has to stop Cersei directly because it would be pretty interesting poetic justice. Yes. But um, uh, I I don't know if he'd switch sides. I think it would be a situation at this point where his char- he would grow enough as a character where it would be more of like a, like a dual sacrifice situation where, you know, like – if he stops her, he knows he's not going to get out of it alive, essentially. Okay. So where did you want to go to next? All right, let's head down to Dorne. Dorne. Because then we have uh, Olena Tyrell, the Queen of Thorns, having a little parlay with the Sand Snakes, who now seem to be in control of Dorne. And uh, she's wearing all black, so this gives us the impression that some time has passed because uh, she knows that uh, her whole family is dead now. She does, so she and yeah, and that's the, the the thing we've talked about quite a bit on this uh, podcast is the the progression of time in this show just seems always off. Like you have no real idea of how much time takes place between events and how long it takes to get to certain places and how long how information travels between place to place. Yeah, they pray it pretty loose, um, <laughs> especially with uh, the the next guest star that makes an appearance there, the old teleporting Varys. <laughs> yeah, he seems to. Um, he always shows up when right when you need him, this unlike other characters. <laughs> um, I do find it to be interesting that the I don't know the chain of command or the progression of authority went to the to Sand. She's uh, obviously a. Uh, a bastard since her last name is San and I mean I don't know if it's just she took it by force or what but how is she the one that's in charge now well I figure there's no other um, descendants of the 
the um, what were they? Martells. And um, since she was the next closest to him, you know, in this case being his like what lover? Baby mama. Uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yeah, that's true. Um, and she's not even the mother of all of them either. Oh, she's not. No. Um, the I think only the young, the the really young looking one is her direct daughter. And the other two are from different women. At least that's how it is in the books. I'm not sure if they made that distinction in the show or not. Yeah, I'm going to say they haven't made that distinction in the show. Okay. Yeah, so definitely only – I think only one of them was the daughter. But uh, that being said, the how they set it up in the first episode of the season where you know she basically kills Doran Martell and is all like, you know, we're, you're not, we're not going to have weak men again or something to that effect – um, everybody seemed to be cool with it, so it's like, okay, well, it sounds like they got it, you know, they got this, and um, they're just running with it, you know. So, I mean, obviously, with uh, the death of the Red Viper, uh, I can't remember what his name was in the, was was in the show. Uh, Oberon. Oberon, yeah, Oberon Martell. Uh, they have a hatred for Cersei Lannister, and now. Uh, Olena Tyrell has a hatred because the rest of her family was killed with her grandson, her granddaughter, and her son. Yeah. So it's like everybody's going against uh, Team Lannister at this point. So, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And they're definitely putting their resources together. And as you you said earlier, Varys is there uh, representing Daenerys, I assume. I mean... It is Varys. He could be just playing two sides, but I assume he's he's there as a it's, representative. Well, yeah, it seems like he's on the up and up as far as the um, what side he represents. It looks like he's definitely Team Daenerys. I mean, when when uh, Olena's like, "Well, what do you guys have to offer?" and they're like, "You know what you want," and then Varys makes this little dramatic entrance and says, fire and blood, which are the words of the Targaryens. And, um, you know, we then, from that point on, we go to Marine and start with the scene of Daenerys doing, you know, the thing that sucks most in life, you know, dumping her boy toy. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I have a real hard time most of the time when I have to dump my boy toys. Yeah, it's, it's not fun. <laughs> and um, so, uh, yeah, basically says, uh, you're not coming with us. And he was like, but why? Yeah, I felt really bad for him, actually. Like, <laughs> I've been there, dude. I know your pain. And um, so, you know, he does it because he has no other choice, really. But uh, it turns out that it's actually a, a pretty smart politically strategic move because it was actually, and he figured it out, uh, which is kind of fun, that it was at the suggestion of Tyrion. You know, it's like, did, did he tell you to do this or to tell me this? Yeah, I mean, I think maybe it's more he he gets the, he's, I don't know, I don't know, the way I, I see it is that he gets the idea in his head that, or he gets the, the jealousy in his head that maybe Tyrion wants uh, Daenerys for himself, and that's why he's convinced her to dump Dario. But uh, I think you're right; it's it's more of a political move to not have Dario there. And 
he he even goes as far as to be like, you know, I don't need to be uh, in name your your husband or anything like that. I'll just be the guy on the side. You can marry whatever highborn you want, and uh, it's be fine with me. Just you know, I want to be with you. And she's just like, no, it's you know, I need you to take care of this over here. You 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 swore your allegiance to me and said that you would do whatever I told you, and this is what I'm telling you to do. Yeah, exactly. So. He needs to stay true to his so-called allegiance. <laughs> so, and, do you, you think know, this to her? <laughs> do you think this uh, will come back to bite her in the ass? Will he be uh, like heartbroken enough that he betrays her? Well, that's a good question because I think he's basically being left in charge of all of Marine. Right from the sound of it, like say, like, I need you to safeguard this place, and. Dario may be a good fighter, possibly even a good leader, but I don't think he's got like stewardship material um, at the level of you know having to take care of an entire kingdom like that. So that's going to be an interesting thing to see how that one plays out. Right. I think he might lose control of the place, or he might not care at some point because he he might feel abandoned. So. Yeah, there's a lot of ways that can go. And, I mean, who knows? Maybe it'll even not just be completely written off, like, well, that takes care of that, you know, and move on to the next plot line. And, I'm kind of curious to see where they go with that. And speaking of uh, Dario and his now new situation, uh, how about Daenerys' last friend zone <laughs> uh, friend of, um, uh, oh, man, now I can't remember his name. Uh, Jorah. Jorah, thank you. And his is he going to be staying on it? Is it is this is this the last we've seen him in the show? Basically, is he is he going to really be off searching for a cure for Stone Skin, or it, will we see him again? Do you think? I think we'll see him again. Um, it, there's, I believe it's going to tie in a lot with Daenerys's future. Um, and like we were speaking not too long ago about the problem, you know, who fits the bill. There's always the possibility that, um, you know, he might be the third and not um, uh, whoever it was that we said with Tyrion. Um, because there's a lot of things that he also falls under in the, uh, the prophecy. Oh. Um, but um. It's a little harder to explain because I, I completely spaced on including him in the last one. But essentially, like, there's a lot of the stuff that happens to Daenerys could also technically be said to be happening to him. Oh, fair uh, enough. If, if you stretch it a little bit. So uh, we haven't seen the last of him for sure. And the next time we see him, he might even be like a superhero. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so then Daenerys walks into the other room, the, the room where the throne and Marine is, or whatever it's called, and Tyrion is there waiting for her, and he asks her, you know, uh, did you do it? And she explains, yeah, you know, I did it, and it wasn't easy. He goes, no, I wouldn't think it was, but, you know, it had to be done. And she gives him a gift, which is uh, pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah, it was a really cool little gift. It was the... Um... The Hand of the King uh, brooch, I guess, clip. And um, he was very honored by it. it and uh, I, don't, I don't know if you caught this, but they've been doing this thing ever since he got to Marine and he's and, and 
happens to talk to Tyrion or anybody that's in the, the meeting room there. Tyrion's always standing uh, like on a couple of steps higher, which actually makes him taller than everyone else in the room. Um, it happened when uh, the uh, came around. It happened when the the Greyjoys came around. You know, Daenerys was sitting down on her throne, but he was standing, but he was taller than they were, and essentially, in a way, also standing a little bit taller than Daenerys because she was sitting down. This is the first time since you know since she's been back, where um, she, he actually goes back down a level and he kneels before her essentially admitting like you know yes I'm I'm devoting myself to you now you know like you know that is showing his for the first time like his respect uh, I, I I wonder how much of that is directing and you know them wanting to, to make something about Tyrion being tall or having to be tall or feeling superior, or if that's a, you know, that's a thing that the actor, um, Peter Dinklage has kind of started to request because he's, you know, he's kind of the, I, you know, he's, he's the big star of the show. Uh, I think he might be one of the only ones that's been nominated for an Emmy. I, I believe I'm not trying to say that he's got a big, a big attitude or anything like that, but you know, <laughs> No, yeah, I get you. Um, I want to say that it's definitely intentional. Okay. Um, with some of the stuff that I've seen them do, I think they definitely pay a lot of attention to that to those kinds of visual cues that are a little more subtle. So I also had a question. When she's pinning the, 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 the brooch onto him, is the finger always pointed down? Like back when he was the, the uh, hand of the I, king for Joffrey? I think so. I I mean we've I from when I've seen it it always looks like it's kind of pointing downward. Okay. Um and I I want to say there's been a few times where I've seen it kind of at a slight angle but that might be more due to the clothing than how it's supposed to look. But yeah, it looks like it kind of goes just straight down. Okay. I I didn't remember cuz just I don't know for some reason the way that she pins it onto him it it really focuses on on it being pin- well, I mean, obviously they want to focus on the fact that she's pinning it on him, but for me, it just really caught my interest about the fact that it's pointing down. And I couldn't remember in the earlier seasons when you see it uh, back at King's Landing if it's uh, being if it's pointed in a different direction. Yeah, it actually looks really like pretty much exactly like the one that I remember seeing from the earlier seasons. <laughs> yeah, I thought the same so, thing too. It was it, like she says she got the people there to saying, make it. Like, yeah, and then she's like, I don't know if they got it exactly right. And I'm like, dude, it looks exactly like it's supposed to be. <laughs> I know for a fact because I actually have one of those somewhere around here. I, I received it as a gift one time uh, for like my birthday or Christmas or something. And I'm like, oh, cool, you know. And I think at that time, uh, who was the hand of the king at that time? It's probably Tyrion, as a matter of fact. But uh, yeah, I remember, oh, this is cool. I'm wearing the. The Turian pin. <laughs> well, that's awesome, and you deserve one. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. I don't know though; it has a slightly different connotation in our culture. I think the finger, the well, <laughs> <laughs> the hand. Okay, why? You just have to have a interesting. Um... <laughs> it's a stupid joke, but um, okay, <laughs> it's a. Uh... 
it's uh, and this might only be within me and like a, a really particular select group of hands of uh, hands of, of friends but it kind of sounds like they if they tell you oh you got the hand job <laughs> it's like oh yeah yeah <laughs> no uh, okay. So anyway, so, yeah. So from there, <laughs> <laughs> moving on. From there, that's when we see her getting on the ships and sailing towards uh, what we have to assume is uh, Westeros, right? Well, I mean, we definitely know she's sailing away from Marine. That's about as much as we know, and we presume she's going to Westeros. Um, that leaves a pretty open to interpretation as to what exactly is going to happen, because you still have. Before they can actually reach King's Landing and start full-on fighting, they're going to have to go somewhere else first. I don't know if that's going to be Dragonstone or maybe some of the other kingdoms like Dorne. You know, they're, I'm, I'm sure they're going to start amassing the army away from, the, from King's Landing and then work their way up there. Um, I was thinking that right now too. The you know obviously with uh, and we saw Varys is now back with Daenerys on the boats because he's got his teleportation powers. But uh, does do they go to Dorne to meet up with the Martells and the Tyrells? Are they supposed to meet somewhere else? Does she need to go to Bravos at some point and talk to the Iron Bank there? I don't know if that makes sense or not. But <laughs> apparently you have to talk to the Iron Bank if you're going to run a kingdom. Uh, yeah, I would imagine that that's going to happen, and I can already see the the bankers in Bravos rolling their eyes. You know, like, great, another unsecured loan we have to do here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, is, are they going to get any of the money back that they gave Stannis? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of curious to see how that goes. Although, we can't forget, one of the biggest one uh, plot points is going to be uh, Euron Greyjoy. Um, oh, this is true. He's going to be huge. Yeah, he's right now he's he's rebuilding his fleet because they stole most of his boats. But uh, he's I, I feel like he has a big ace up his sleeve that they haven't revealed yet. Right. And um, that's I, I have a feeling that before they can go to King's Landing or even attempt to, um, they're going to have to have a run in with them, with him and, and his you know new fleet. And uh, that's going to be interesting. So. Keep an eye out for that. I have a feeling, without giving away too much, that has already been confirmed in some of the books that he's gonna. He still has a huge part to play. Okay, so uh, do we still have some areas left? No, that's pretty much it. We leave them uh, sailing away. Uh, if you do notice that in the uh, the fleet that's sailing, um, besides the Targaryen ships, which look pretty badass, by the way, you know they got those dragon. Um, shaped um, prows and the big Targaryen fl- sigil flags. You also see in the background there's some with the uh, the Martell sun. Okay, which is interesting because the, the the bastards are not Martells in name, but they're using the sigil of Dorne of the Martells. So that's kind of interesting that they're doing that. Um, but then again, Dorne does play with slightly different rules than the rest of the kingdom. So. Uh, yeah, you know, that's just like maybe a shorthand way of saying yeah, they're here too, and and you also see the the High Garden sigil in there as well for the Tyrells, so they definitely have joined forces at this point. Huh. So um, maybe they don't need to go to Dorne. Maybe they've already met up with them. Uh, well, they're probably going to make landfall there. Okay. Is is my guess, and then work their way up to King's Landing. I mean, remember the last time they. Tr- 
um, a fleet tried to assault King's Landing directly, it didn't go so well for them. No, no, it didn't. But so hopefully, be uh, you know, Cersei's already used up all of her. Uh, uh, what's it called? Dragonfire? No, it's not Dragonfire. Wildfire. Wildfire. Yeah, to burn up the 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 sept. Um, also, on some of those boats, has got to have the. Uh, why can't I remember names today? Uh, <laughs> the 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 barbarian people. Oh, the Dothraki, yeah. Dothraki, thank you. So, yeah, and, uh, you know, obviously they've never really been on boats before. Is this going to – do you think that will play a, a factor in it? Will the, the, they're the, not, them getting their sea legs going to affect anything? Well, that was a big thing early on. Like, that was one of the biggest uh, things that King Robert was worried about. And it was like, you know, if, if she gets an army, you know, they could take overtake the entire kingdom. And then – uh I forget. It. I think it was Ned Stark. He says, "Well, the day that um, a Dothraki gets on a boat, you know, will be essentially a cold day in hell." Sort of. This is the the sentiment he was trying to put across. And you do see in a different season, they are on boats when they're traveling. I think from Yunkai to Marine, and there a lot of the Dothraki look like they're kind of nauseous. You know, like they they definitely are not used to boats. They don't like them. They don't like sailing. Uh-huh. Uh, but now she's won them over, you know. I think as of the time when she killed all the other cows, I guess, and, you know, showed up with the dragon, at that point everybody was completely on board. They're like, you know what, I'll risk vomiting a few times just to be with this chick because she looks like she knows what she's doing. <laughs> and, then, I mean, you think about it, she's got not just one army but a few armies behind her. She's got the... Did the second sons come with her, or did they stay with Dario? I believe they're staying with Dario because he's that's need... essentially the group he's leading now. Okay, so the second sons aren't with him, but the Unsullied are with her, the yeah. Dothraki are with her, uh, whoever Dorn sent and whoever uh, the Martell sent, or I mean the Tyrell sent, uh, I assume. Yeah, uh, that sounds like it's mostly what's going on there so what i think is happening uh, or what we'll see next season is she's going to make landfall somewhere other than king near king's landing in order to try to get the support of the other houses as well uh you know once they see that the the dominoes have started falling as far as you know some of the houses joining against the lannisters you'll see more and more you know like it always sucks to be the first one you know like in in winterfell the only one they wanted that was willing to join Jon snow was the Mormonts, but then after they, you know, won their victory and she was like, y'all should be ashamed of yourselves. You know, I'm a 12 year old girl and like I joined him and fought and and look where we are now. So, you know, once you get the ball rolling with the houses joining, then it just becomes easier the further you go into it. So what she's going to want to do is get as many houses on her side or back on the side of the Targaryens which a lot of them, they say, are still loyal to the Targaryens. They just don't have a choice in who to show their support for if they don't want to get executed, basically. Right. But, you know, once you have a strong Targaryen leader back on Westeros, now the only point that might strike a nerve with the houses is the fact that she's a queen who has no king at this point. Um, again, the, that's the reason why Dario's not coming along, because she knows that marrying somebody might have to be a compromise she makes which hey Jon Snow single you know 
but but they're cousins. <laughs> but they're Targaryens. Ah, uh, so it's not unheard of for that family. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean at this point they're practically strangers. You know, like, <laughs> they're they're so far removed at this point. <laughs> um. So yeah, I, I see that that could be. Uh, you know, rallying. Uh, basically, what I'm saying is, you're not going to see a huge battle. Oh, as a side note, it has been revealed that next season, not only is it going to be delayed due to the fact that they need to wait for actual winter for them to start filming. <laughs> um, interesting, you know. Yeah, because usually they they, they film in the summertime. Yes. And um, so now they need to push it back, so we're not going to be seeing Game of Thrones for like at least two or three months later than normal. We're also not going to get the full ten episodes this coming season. It's going to be seven. Because it was only supposed to be one season left, or they decided and then they decided to make it into two, or what? Uh, that's what it sounds like. It sounds like they're doing a seven-episode season seven because there's only supposed to be seven books total. Um, but also, and if they do make an eighth season, uh, they've already speculated it's probably going to only be like three episodes. So essentially, it's going to be like a movie. Ah, uh, okay. Well, you know, um, that's, well, yeah. we got to accept only that, what we but, get, right? What's that? So you got to accept what we get, right? Pretty much. And also, one of the reasons why they're cutting three episodes out of it is, I believe, the budget next season is going to be so huge they just can't do you know that many episodes and that's kind of a double-edged sword because it means that we're going to see some really really cool effects and battle sequences um i remember seeing that the the battle of uh, blackwater was probably like up until that point was the most expensive episode they ever filmed because i mean not only did it use a lot of cgi but there was also the part of it that was practical that was super expensive you know and um so I'm kind of for it if it means that we're going to get more quality at the cost of, you know, more quantity. Yeah, you know, I, I'm I'm kind of for that too. I think I like that. Uh, and as long as it's good, then it's good. Yeah. So, um, I mean, bittersweet news, but, you know, it, it, hopefully it's worth it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we got through the episode. What What's... Anything else you expect for next next season? Like what what you really hope to see? What uh, you think you're gonna see? Well, um, I don't know if it's giving away anything because with Game of Thrones it should be expected. But I did see that they had a sizzle reel of uh, Game of Thrones season seven being in production from Comic Con. Uh, you don't see any footage from the show itself. You just see kind of behind the scenes stuff, like the the craftsmen working on props and costumes and. I did notice an interesting scene where you see somebody painting those little rocks that they put on people's eyes when they're dead. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of them um, that they were painting. Oh, wow. Well, so, there you go. Let's yeah, expect a lot of death. <laughs> yeah. Again, it's Game of Thrones. I should go without saying, but it was just kind of interesting to see that little visual of like, wow, they need a lot of those next season. So something's going down. So... <laughs> With Game of Thrones being the fact that it's kind of another dimension or another world that's not supposed to be our own because you have summers and winters that last for years, I kind of get this like, this this feeling in the back of my head, and I know they would never do it because no one's really ever done it since, uh, what was that show, Dallas? 
But what if like it all ends up being some some kid's dream or something, or like it's the toy box, like that episode of the Twilight Zone where it's the kid's toy box and that's what's going on. We're just seeing his imagination playing with these toys. Yeah, I I like the theory that's similar to that where um, early on in like the first season, Bran is talking with his grandma and you know she's telling him about legends and stuff and then rob comes in and says yeah i mean her stories are cool and all but i mean they're just stories you know one time i asked her why the sky was blue and she said it's because we live in the we live inside the eye of a blue-eyed giant you know i'm actually kind of hoping that that's what this turns out to be like (laughs) you see the world start to like collapse around them and just fall apart and then like you zoom out of the world and you see like a dude just scratching his eye you know like oh man this thing this thing's been itching for a while you know? <laughs> uh yeah so uh, yeah if they were to, to pull i don't know if they were to pull something like that at the end and, and, and if it was me I, i'd be i think i'd be kind of upset uh the whole the yeah this has all been uh uh inside of an eye or uh, inside of a marble via Men in Black or something, you know, I don't know. Oh, yeah. It'd be it, it, well, I, it'd what, be interesting. What I'm kind of hoping for for like for seriousness this time is um, I hope that all of Game of Thrones is part of a shared universe, and that this is all like the history of a world that we'll see somewhere down the line, and the next iteration of it is actually more like sci-fi fantasy based so like we'll still have the elements of magic but it's a much more advanced world so yeah i kind of hope that like the next iteration has more sci-fi elements in it and um they make references to game of thrones like there was once a wizard named samuel tarley that learned (laughs) how to manipulate fire with his bare hands or something you know like just it would be it would be considered stuff of legend you know like oh those are just myths you know like yeah, like how we talk about oh well, I mean I was I was gonna say like how we talk about like Alexander the Great, but if you're saying myths, so it'd be more like how we talk about King Arthur and stuff. Yeah, or like the Greek gods or something. Yeah, that'd, be yeah, that'd, that'd be cool. Um, see, and that, I guess I was the opposite. If they were to make another show or a spinoff show from this, I would like to see more of what happened before season one started. Like. Like stuff at the like when Ned Stark was young for the Tower of Joy. I made made sure to say it the right way this time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or even when uh, uh, Jamie killed the King, uh, the Mad King, or you know anything even before that. So it, it'd be interesting. Well, that's actually one of the most requested things that I've seen online. Is people really want to see the uh, the whole Robert Rebellion thing to to give it context as to you know what exactly it is that set off the chain of events um some of the misconceptions because some of the facts that people think they know are incorrect as we've already seen um you know did Rhaegar kidnap Lyanna did she leave willingly um did they get married even though he was already married to a Martell um you know just things like that you know why Robert hated Rhaegar so much was it really just because of the whole Lyanna thing or was there something else so there's definitely things that need to get answered and not only that the the battle at the trident is probably one of the most epic things that you know they could ever put on film as far as game of thrones is concerned because of just how much is going on with the characters themselves like fighting aside you know the fact that 
that singular battle determined everything that is pretty much happening up until this point. Um, you know, like that's that's huge. You know, I want to see and I want to see Robert wielding his warhammer. You know, like it's always been described as he was probably one of the strongest warriors ever. I mean, he he could single-handedly throw around his hammer that even Ned Stark could barely lift with both hands. So that's pretty impressive. You know, I want I want to see something like that. Cool. All right. I say uh, we combine our two ideas. You get I get the the previous world, you get the future world, and we make a show that's uh, a la Quantum Leap with a guy from the future jumping back <laughs> in time and jumping from body to body and seeing events play out or even trying to save people, thus changing the history of Westeros. Boom! Oh. <laughs> but Sam never went back home. Oh. <laughs> oh, actually, that could be the it, it could be Samuel Tarley that does it this time. <laughs> there you go. He, he finds a book in the spell, yeah. in the Citadel that allows him to go back, leaving uh, Gilly and Little Sam to fend for themselves. Yeah. Well, at least his name lives on. <laughs> uh, there you go, Little Sam. All right, then we 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 got done with the season. We got done with the season finale. It only took us. Three parts, but we did it. <laughs> I hope uh, everybody appreciates what we had to say and the little bit of insight that we have, or you know, the way that we see the show. And uh, we'd love to hear what you think of the show. What what you think? Of, what your theories are? What what you picked up that we didn't talk about? And uh, send them in. You can reach me at agent underscore of the underscore bat on Twitter. Uh, you can get to John on Twitter at. I'm at Magic Bollocks. There you go. And uh, we're at Geekly Radio on Twitter as well. Uh, you can reach most of us on Facebook at Geekly Radio, where we do most of our conversation and be a part of our community and uh, see all the news that we post and all the different pictures and ideas that we, we post up there and have a conversation about them. Then also check out our website, geeklyradio.com, for... This podcast and other archived podcasts of other shows on our network. But this has been... I'm sorry, what? I was just saying, there's lots of Comic-Con stuff right now, so chime in, give us your two cents, let us know what you're excited for. Yes, exactly, yeah, we want to hear what you're excited for, because, I mean, we barely tipped the surface of uh, what will happen at Comic-Con this year, and there was a lot of information. Those What we talked about was probably what just the Warner Brothers and the Marvel... Uh, panels and there was so much more that happened so uh, let, let's hear what you thought and what you were excited about but this has been the Geeks Watch on the Geek Elite Radio Network saying always remember to geek out geek out we now return you to your regularly scheduled program